Um, all right, let's, uh, let's get into the message. You want to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verses, uh, we're going to be looking at verses 25 through 34, and we're talking about worry today, right? Um, <laughs> and we are all really good at worry, aren't we? I mean, truthfully, if, if, if an alien were to come down to planet Earth and they could read our thoughts, let's say they had no experience with our culture, no experience with people, but they were to come to you know, uh, Boston and to look down on us and look into our thoughts, they would think that worry is our hobby, that we love to worry, we dream about worrying, we think about worrying all the time. Uh, my favorite time to worry is when I'm trying to sleep. Uh, I don't know if this has happened to you guys as well. Um, you're tired maybe, you get into bed, you're starting to drift towards sleep, and then all of a sudden, in your mind, you think, what about this one thing? What about this one thing that I have not thought about in uh, hours or days? I need to consider that right now. Um, and, and, and you attempt to dismiss it, you attempt to, to you know, uh, go to sleep, but then it's a few hours later, after pretending to sleep for a few hours, you've, you finally drift off, but you have spent all of that time worrying and stressed out over whatever it is. And then, um, you know, uh, it, it, it happens to all of us, I think. So last week, um, we had... Um, Last week, I've had really struggles with uh, sleeping uh, well. It's been a difficult time, and um, you know, honestly, just uh, personally, I've had had struggles with uh, just some stress in different things. It's not anything huge, but this week I had uh, stress with uh, an issue of, um, of of thinking about a renovation that we're doing that's coming up. I've got a, a bathroom renovation coming, and uh, but it wasn't even that by itself. It was largely, you know, my my uh, my youngest daughter comes home from college next week. My uh, oldest daughter and her husband uh, move back from Nashville, Tennessee to live, move in with us next week. Um, and, and a renova- renovation coming in early in the new year and a lot of things that need to get in place for that. And then the holidays and then some things about the church and you know some, some situations and all of that. And um, I ended up like laying in bed over several different nights uh, stressing about that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how we, we all are basically like that. We can end up, um, it doesn't even have to be earth shattering. Maybe it's something that's not super significant, but your mind just keeps playing it over and over and over again. The truth is worry is real for all of us to one degree or another, right? And it is costly. Cost, as I said, it costs us sleep, but then it costs us concentration. It costs us energy. Physically, it takes a toll on our bodies. So uh, worry is costly. And in this passage today, Jesus is, is addressing worry, anxiety, fear, uh, these things uh, in our lives. And he's, he comes kind of hard, okay? So he, he comes, he's king of the universe, right? He's coming as king of the universe, knowing all things. And he, and he comes pretty hard, but then ends in a very uh, more compassionate, gentle way. So uh, we're going to look at this passage. When I, when I finish, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And I encourage you to respond by saying, thanks be to God. All right, follow along. Matthew uh, 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet heaven, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. So our idea today is pretty simple. Uh, Worry has no place in the kingdom because Jesus is king. So worry has no place in the kingdom because Jesus is king. Uh, And what we're going to look at is the root of worry. We're going to look at reasons, eight reasons, very, very quickly, just right in the text, what, why Jesus says not to worry. And then we'll talk about fighting faith, uh, fighting worry by faith at the end. So, um, Let's start with the root of worry. What is it that you worry about? Jesus uh, said, do not be anxious about your life. So what is it about your life that causes you to worry? My, most of us uh, on this, uh, you know, watching this right now or involved, we'll watch this even later, are worried a bit about COVID right now, right? We're, we have concerns about it. We have concerns uh, at various levels about it. Um, we have concerns about, obviously, about ourselves getting it, about our loved ones getting it, about us getting it and giving it to someone without being aware we even had it. Uh, we have concerns about uh, many people in our church that are at work in the medical industry or researchers, and they're, they're going to be overwhelmed. They, we remember remember back in the spring where we're friends of ours, loved ones, people in our community groups uh, that we're, we're, we're close to, we're, we're working, you know, long, long hours in the hospital and oftentimes dealing with people at the end of life in really desperate situations where they couldn't even see their family. Um, and so there's, there's a weight on this for us, right? A low grade, I think for, for it's got to be nearly for everybody, if not everyone, a low grade anxiety about COVID. Where are we heading? What's going to happen? And that's enough to worry about right there. But um, there's also, you know, worry about the, uh, the economy and, and how it's impacted uh, friends, family members, uh, even ourselves. Some have, have lost their jobs. Some have had wages, uh, have had their pay uh, cut. Um, and, and others, we, we know fa- friends or family members that have closed their business or lost their jobs. And the economy causes us concern, right? When will we recover? When will we uh, get back to work as Americans and, and people? People um, won't be in as much desperate need. And throw in on top of that, that, just the anxiety over the, you know, just recent election and the continuing fallout out of that until there's a full transition of power. Um, you know, you have the, the, the regular anxiety over family, regular anxiety over work, regular anxiety over money, regular anxiety over even things we don't know about or not thinking about, you know, I don't know if you've had this, you've just found yourself anxious, but you're not even sure really why you're, you know, kind of, uh, in a, in a state of anxiety. Um, and, and sometimes it's because of things we're not even, you know, fully consciously aware of in that moment. We have so much to worry about, right? 
And I know you might be thinking, well, Bland, uh, you know, I didn't have as much to worry about before watching this uh, sermon, but now you've, you've reminded me of several things in my life that I should be deeply concerned about. <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to pile on. I'm not trying to load on, on you. I, I'm actually, we've got some really good news to get to. But what I wanted us to look at was what it is we're worrying about. What is it today, right now, that you, or in the last few weeks, that you have found yourself worried about? And what I would say is this. You can, uh, I asked the question, what do we worry about? But I've not yet asked the question, why do we worry? The question of why we worry is even more important. You might be thinking, well, duh, Blaine, I worry because of those things. But, but that's saying the things themselves have the power and, uh, and, and ability to create worry in everyone. But they don't, right? I mean, some people uh, don't experience worry in the same way. Some people don't find themselves overwhelmed by the same circumstances. And so um, people who face the same circumstances come out very differently at times. And what I want us to hear or see here is that your worry is more about what you're believing than about what you're specifically experiencing, or put it another way, worry is and anxiety are ultimately uh, not about what is going on out there. Essentially, that's not the 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 one hundred percent reason why you experience worry, but about what's going on in here. You see, when you are worrying, you are believing things about those things. You're believing something in your heart about these things and about yourself um, that create anxiety and worry. Francis Chan puts it this way. He said, worry implies that we don't quite trust God is big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to take care of what's happening in our lives. Stress says things we are involved in are important enough to merit our impatience, our lack of grace towards others, or our tight grip of control. Basically, these two behaviors communicate that it is okay to sin and not trust God because the stuff in my life is somehow exceptional. Both worry and stress reek of arrogance. They declare our tendency to forget that we've been forgiven, that our lives are brief, and that in the context of God's strength, our problems are small indeed. You see, you can't have peace in the midst of anxiety and worry because in that moment of being overwhelmed by anxiety and worry, you have stiff-armed God out of your life and your thought pattern at that moment um, like, a, like a, a running back coming out of the backfield with, a, with his football in his arm. If you've ever seen this, even if you're not familiar with the sport, what the, the, the running back does is arm, the ball is tucked here. He sticks that arm out to block people out and to keep them from, from tackling him and getting the ball. And so when you are doing that, you are, you are literally grabbing whatever you're wearing, you're tucking it in here, and you're saying, God, no. This is mine to carry. This is mine to worry about. This is my thing. And the root of worry is that we're functioning like Jesus isn't king. I don't know if you've thought about that. But in the moment of, of, of overwhelming worry and anxiety, you're functioning as if Jesus isn't king. You're a, you're a functional atheist, Right? Or at, or at best, a theist. So you believe God's real, but he's or deist. He's he's real, but he's not really involved in your life. He's not really, you know, caring in this moment. 
And so um, I think about a story in Jesus's life when he was with his disciples and they were out on the water in the middle of a storm and Jesus had laid down to take a nap and he was, he was sleeping well. Why? Because he didn't worry. Uh, he, he trusted his father. Uh, and he was asleep in the middle of this crazy storm and all the disciples were worried they're gonna die. And they wake him up and they said, master, master, don't you care? They were getting ready to die. And he, he stands up uh, and he, he, uh, he rebukes the storm Right, he calms the storm in that moment, um, and and then looks at them and challenges them. View of little faith, right? He 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 calls them out and says, "In that moment, you had forgotten that I am king." In that moment, you were looking at the waves and the storm, and of course you felt overwhelmed because you were thinking of yourself. You were thinking of your own abilities and your own capacity and your own strength. But you forgot I was in the boat with you. You forgot I am king and that I love you. And so worry is functioning as if Jesus isn't king. But worry has no place in the kingdom because Jesus is king. So that's the root of worry. Secondly, why does Jesus say we don't need to worry? Right? So, so this entire text is Jesus like doing this, presenting case after case after case, point after point after point, why you don't need to live in anxiety and worry. And I, and I want to give credit here. This is, I've used him quite a bit through this series. It's just been some really great stuff, but, but um, this may be the best. Piper, John Piper has eight, uh, he identifies eight promises here in this text of why Jesus tells us not to worry. And so I want you to have your Bible open because we're gonna be hitting these really quickly, literally very, very quickly. And Jesus says, I tell you, do not be anxious. So he's saying, I tell you, do not be anxious, but that's not it, that's not the end. He then hits eight reasons. Let's walk through them quickly. Number one, he says, life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Here comes the reason. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So he, what he's saying here is that you are more than the physical life that is sustained by food and clothing. You are more than that. Um, somebody can take your food, someone can take your clothing, someone can even take your physical life, but they cannot take your soul. They cannot take you out of God's hand. If you don't, uh, if you struggle with this, I encourage you to go read Romans 8, uh, especially the last eight verses or so of, of chapter eight. It's a picture of, of God's uh, pursuing love of us that holds us and will never let us go. So you are... Um, Life is more than food, body is more than clothing. Secondly, you are more valuable than the birds that God feeds. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of, not of more value than they? This is an argument from the lesser to the greater. We see birds all the time, right? Right? Like you might even be able to, where you're watching this, be able to look out your window and see birds in this moment. When you see them, God is saying they are an object lesson for you. That all of the birds on all of the earth are under his care. In other words, every worm and every seed that every bird on planet earth eats is, is provided by God, the Father. And he says, aren't you uh, of much more value than birds? Listen, birds are not made in the image of God. You are. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross for birds. He came for you. 
Listen, Jesus came, died a death that you deserved, gave his life on the cross for you, rose from the grave to give you a life that you could never earn. And that is because he finds you valuable. And I love the image in Isaiah 49, 16, that God has graven your name on his hand. This is a God that will not forget you. This is a God that finds you so valuable that it says he is graven, he has tattooed your name on his hand. You are more valuable than, than birds, right? So look at the birds, see how they, how they survive, how they are cared for, and know that God sees you as more valuable. Number three, <laughs> this is pretty simple, but an important point. Anxiety accomplishes nothing. Anxiety accomplishes nothing. Verses 26, or verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? This is a pretty practical, simple argument, right? Anxiety doesn't do any good. And in fact, it, it does the opposite. It costs us, right? It, it wears us down. It stresses us out. We lose sleep over it. You might be thinking, well, you know, I need to reflect on things that are happening or coming. I need to consider those things. I need to think about those things. Listen, God is not condemning thinking about the future or considering about the future or even feeling a weightiness of, of some things that are coming. That's, that's not sin, right? But there's a huge difference between considering those things from a godly perspective and, and being up all night for two weeks in a row and turning into a giant stress ball, right? There's two fundamentally different things. One, God is inherently involved in. I'm thinking about the future, God. I'm thinking about this situation, God. I'm thinking about this decision I have to make, God. I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need you to be involved. That's approaching the future, right? Worry says, I've got to think about this. I have to do this. I have to handle this. This is mine. And that puts the weight all on you. So anxiety accomplishes nothing. Number four, the grass and the lilies that God clothed last, uh, clothed last for a day, but you are eternal. Look at verses 28 through 30 again. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, uh, O you of little faith? Now, this sounds almost like the same argument as the birds, right? Uh, God finds you more valuable than birds, but it's a little bit different. That argument was that God finds you more valuable than birds. But here he's saying you are, uh, you are eternal compared to uh, uh, grass. So if you look at grass and the fields and flowers and beautiful uh, blooming flowers and all of that, as beautiful as that is, that comes and goes. But God has, has through Christ, made you eternal. You will last forever. How much more then would God not value you and provide for you if you're going to last forever if he provides beauty for, for grass that grows one day and is dead the next? Number five, anxiety acts as if God doesn't exist. Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. 
Here the argument is, if you're anxious, you are functioning like someone who doesn't believe in God. That's the Gentiles. The Gentiles did not follow God. They, they followed different pagan gods. They didn't follow the one true God. And he says, if you were, if you were worrying like that, you were acting like those who, who don't even believe in me. Think about this very practically. When was the last time you worried that you were stressed out? Think about that moment, right? Think about it, reflect on it. Um, where was God in your worry? Seriously. Were you really considering God in that moment? Was he front and center? But I guess you're like me when you think about the worry that uh, you know, uh, kept me up some this last week. I spent a lot of time worrying about circumstances and not thinking on God until graciously at points he, he brought me back in and I was able to pray and, and, and confess and, and, uh, and seek him. But, but that's the case. Worry, uh, it's true. Worry that Jesus is describing here, worry, anxiety, fear, and dwelling on God are mutually exclusive. You can't do one. You can't do both at the same time. Number six, your heavenly father knows what you need. Look at verse 32, the second part of verse 32. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So the argument here is, and he's very intentional here. Your father, your heavenly father, this is your father in heaven that we just learned about when Jesus prayed, the, you know, taught us the Lord's prayer just a few verses ago, right? Uh, to, to pray, our father in heaven. He's saying, remind yourself of this. Your father in heaven knows you need your daily bread. He knows you need forgiveness. He knows you need grace. He knows you need him. Will he not also give you those things? Or is he withholding those things in some way? No, God knows exactly what you need. He's your father. He knows what you need. Number seven, God will supply everything you need to follow Jesus. God will supply everything you need to follow Jesus. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You may feel out of control and, and not sure what the future holds for you. Maybe you're at a point in your life right now where you are, you're anxious about this work or you're anxious about relationships or you're anxious about family, you're anxious about money. You're looking at the future, you're anxious, you don't know what the future holds, right? Jesus is king. And he has said, if you will seek me and my kingdom, I will take care of all of these things. Doesn't mean it's gonna go perfectly. Doesn't, this isn't a prosperity gospel where if you just do this, Jesus will give you all your hopes and dreams. That's not the point. The point is Jesus will be enough whatever happens, whatever you're going through, whatever anxiety you face, whatever, whatever fear you might have that actually comes real. Jesus is still king and he is with you and he will give you everything that you need to handle that. See, seeking the kingdom first gives safety to our souls because we're focusing on God's will and God's agenda. Seeking Jesus' kingdom first defeats worry because it is dwelling on what is and what actually will be and not on what might be. 
You get that? Seeking Jesus' kingdom is seeking what is. His kingdom has been inaugurated through his death and his resurrection, and it is real. It's living in you right now. It is. And then you have promises and hopes about the future. It is focusing on what will be, not focusing on what might be, which is creating the worry and anxiety. Worry has no place in the kingdom because Jesus is king. Finally, number eight, God does not overload any day with trouble. Verse 34, this is a good promise and last one. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The argument here is that God does not overload us with any day of trouble. In other words, whatever you're facing today is enough. He doesn't want you to live in tomorrow. Today's troubles are troubles enough. And he wants you to live in today. You see, you're finite and he's wanting you to live with him in this moment and not live in tomorrow without him. And that's what worry is. It's not living in this moment. It's living in the future without God. I love uh, Lamentations chapter three, verses 22 through 23. Must Maybe the only encouraging verses, <laughs> really encouraging verses in Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What a great promise for you and I today, right? That God's mercies are new every morning. Now, as we close, how do we fight Worry by faith. One interesting line Jesus says in verse 30 gives us the clue to it all. He says, will not God give you all these things? O you of little faith. He's rebuking them. This is a line he uses with his disciples quite a bit. But he's rebuking us right now who live in anxiety and fear and worry. He's saying, won't God take care of you, you of little faith? In other words, the antithesis of worry is faith. The, 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 the battle is, is, is between worry and faith. Because in worry, you are believing something. It's faith in God or faith in what you're thinking about. The battle to defeat worry is not a fighting to get a handle on your circumstances, but fighting to get a handle on your heart by faith. So how do you do this? Number one, repent of the lie you're believing. Repent of it. Identify whatever it is that you are believing. Here's a simple question. What is it in this moment that I'm believing about God right now? In the middle of worry, in the middle of anxiety, in the middle of that fear, Ask yourself the question, what am I believing about God right now? Whatever it is, that will reveal to you what you're actually believing. You'll say, I'm not believing God, I'm believing in this. I'm believing if that comes out and that works right and I can control that, then that will give me what I need, right? So what are you believing about God? And and your battle against worry is, it's not just we're all at the same level. We, we all have life experiences that have shaped the way we think, the way we approach worry. Um, and, and even our family of origin, if we came from a really anxious family uh, that was always worried about tomorrow, then yeah, we, we probably are worried. Uh, some of us are carrying around wounds that shape how we think about tomorrow. All of us are carrying around idols in our heart. These deep idols of of control, comfort, approval, or success, these actually shape a lot of what we worry about, right? Comfort is, I'm worried about tomorrow because what's going to happen is going to make me very uncomfortable. 
It's going to mess with my, the pleasure of my comfort. Uh, for control, it is, oh, what's gonna happen tomorrow is gonna really throw a wrench in my control of my life or my circumstance or this situation. For those that, that are seeking approval, I, I'm worried about this tomorrow because this could go wrong and then people won't like me. Or success, I won't achieve. If this doesn't happen, if this does happen, I won't achieve or I will achieve what I desire. And so ask yourself a question, what is, it, what is at the root Expose that lie to God. Whatever it is driving your worry, repent of the lie you're believing and then replace the lie with truth. Humble yourself before God. Be honest about your anxiety and whatever it is you're believing. Bring it before God. Repent. Replace that truth, that lie with the truth. You see, you can't find peace when you're full of pride of, of, of thinking this is yours and you got to handle this because anxiety is the activity of a person dependent on themselves. Anxiety is the activity of a person who is dependent on themselves and you are never meant to be brought by Jesus Christ, born again, brought into his kingdom uh, to, to live as if he's not king as if you are fully dependent on yourself alone. Now, humility allows you to be able to expose that lie and begin to believe the truth. You see, fighting by faith is focusing on and drawing near to the king, the king who is the way, the truth, and the life. The closer you are to Jesus, the less your circumstances seem ultimate and the more he does. The less those things that you're worried about or thinking about, listen, it's, again, it's okay to think about things. It's just a sin when we cross over into anxiety, worry, and fear. We're acting as if Jesus isn't king. So we can see those things. They're still there. It's like, not like they don't matter. It's just that we see them now in light of Jesus the king. This is, this is the truth, and I'm looking at some things out of that truth, right? That's that's what it means. These eight truths that I just outlined uh, from this, this section can be truths that you can remind yourself of, that you can cling to. I'm more valuable than birds. My father in heaven cares for me. I'm seeking the kingdom and he's got this. Like you say those things to yourself. You pray those things to Jesus and see if your heart isn't those lies shifted and replaced with truth. And then finally, so you got repent, replace, and then rely. Rely on your fellow citizens of the kingdom, right? Rely on them, your community group, your discipleship group. You need those people. You are not meant to fight worry by yourself because it's a fight of faith and you were never meant to fight, uh, to fight the good fight of the faith by yourself. Even the apostle Paul, look at the, the greatest, maybe one of the greatest Christians in all of history of the boldest faith. And yet he relied on people. He had people who walked with him, who, who spoke into his life, who encouraged him. You need that. Tell your community group, tell those around you that you're struggling, be honest with them. And here's the thing, I would just say this as clearly as you can. Say to them what you need from them. Tell others in your community group, I'm really struggling with worry about X. Ask me, ask me how I'm doing in that. Ask me, am I believing that that's ultimate or God's ultimate? So for me, that's a question that, when I'm struggling with anxiety, I need friends to ask me, what are you believing right now? What are you believing about God? 
And for me, those moments where I feel anxious and overwhelmed or, or worry takes me, it's because I'm believing that's up to me. Those things are up to me. I have to do those things or no one will. I have to control that or no one can. And that's a lie. But when I bring that into the light and God exposes that, I can replace that with the truth that he is ultimate, not me. So maybe today as we're closing, you're, you're in a tough place. You're worried, you're anxious. I just wanna encourage you to go to the king today. I'm gonna pray in just a moment, but you can also uh, reach out to us for us to be able to follow up and pray with you, support you, coabrookline.org slash connect. Just fill out a a form there. It's a very simple form. We'll follow up with you. Um, We can connect people with you to pray with you and encourage you. Uh, I'm gonna ask you to just bow with me and let's pray and respond together. Jesus, thank you that you uh, are king and that we do not need to worry in this moment that you alone rule and reign over all things and that we can trust you. We ask you to forgive us for looking at our own sin and our own uh, anxiety and our own fears and seeing them as ultimate when in fact you are ultimate. We ask you now to renew our minds, renew our hearts to see you as king. In your name we pray, amen.